Father, we thank you that you are here today in your presence. And today we are here to worship you and bless your name and magnify you on earth as it is in heaven. So we look to you and we see your grace, abundant grace overflowing to us on location on all over the stream. Father, we think with thankful heart and joyful heart, rejoicing before you, for you are a good God. Hallelujah. Wash our sins. 
writing my history who declare it covers me with destiny it covers me with destiny it's making all things right the precious blood of Christ is rewriting my history of the blood. It's done, church. It's done. It's finished. Glory to Jesus and honor to his blood. We bow in worship before Israel, Lord. With every generation that superseded us, went before us. Thank you, Jesus. with heaven, Lord, before you on earth as it is in heaven. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who have gone before us and all who will believe We'll sing the song of ages to the land. Your name. Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. Jesus is your name. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name. Above the ball and the angels. 
Hallelujah. I sing praises to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. your presence, Lord. Exalt your holy name, Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Father, Glory.
your name. You are God alone. You are God alone. None can be compared to you. None is like you. You are God alone. You are in a realm of your own. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you. We worship you. We adore and we magnify you. We exalt you. We exalt your name. As great as your name is, so great is your praise. Your majesty, your excellence, your greatness. You are great. You are great. You are God alone. And we bless you. We bless you. Praise the Lord. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise be Jesus. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And so our hearts are established by grace. We are not swayed or moved by the traditions of men. We are anchored in the word. We are anchored in the reality of him and who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just as we get ready to give and to bless the Lord with our giving, We want to do so in faith, but we also want to do so with understanding. Because you're giving to the Lord, but you are also giving into this ministry and into the vision that the Lord has given unto us. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And that's our assignment, to turn people to righteousness, to turn you to righteousness. What does that mean? To turn people to that place where they are living in oneness with God, where they are living in a place of the reality of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, where they are living in the confidence of knowing their sonship and knowing that all the promises are theirs where they are living in that place that because of the blood, they are justified, they are in right standing. And so you are living free from condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority and sin consciousness and guilt. And that's our assignment, to take this message, this truth, this revelation of righteousness to the uttermost parts of the earth. So when you give into this ministry, what are you doing? Yes, you're giving as unto the Lord, but you are also, you are also giving into um, this vision and helping to take the revelation of righteousness global to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what you're doing, it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me. It is God's vision. 
It is the word of the Lord. It's what, it's the, it's, it's what God has in mind, that righteousness, the revelation of righteousness, should become so real that as the heaven pour down righteousness, righteousness and salvation shall spring up together. So that's what you're a part of. So give, whether, you, whether it be at, at whatever level, whatever measure, but do it as unto the Lord. Do it from your heart. And as you do, the word of God also says that God will increase the fruit of your righteousness. And he will multiply your seed sown. Amen? So what the seed you sow will come back to you multiplied in the name of Jesus. The instru instructions how you are to give are on the screen. You can just follow, follow them. Father, I pray for everyone that is giving from their heart. Whether it be because their purpose to give from their heart or whether they're giving in obedience to the prompting of your spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would be fulfilled in their lives and that they would experience increase, but that they would also have their hearts knit together with what you are doing through this ministry. I pray that they would awake to righteousness, that their lives would be a testament and a testimony to the reality of being the righteousness of God in Christ. So, Father, in blessing, bless them. In multiplying, multiply them. In increasing, increase them. Show them your favor. Show them your kindness in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name forever. God is good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Just as we go to the word today, I want us to pray. I want us to pray, and I want you to pray. Take your hand, put your hand on your heart right now, and pray this. Pray this from the depths of your heart. Say, Father in heaven, I take your word seriously, and I'm asking you, give me ears to hear. Help me to hear what you are saying today. Give me eyes to see. Give me understanding. Help me to receive this word and to do this word. I receive your grace to hear, to understand, and to be a doer of this word. In the name of Jesus, amen. God heard you. God answers that prayer. Amen. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, this is part two of what we began last week. Purpose, eternal life, and righteousness. This is part two. And the end point of this today is your conscious awareness. That you need to be, to develop a conscious awareness of these things. I believe the Spirit of God... The Spirit of God's objective in this message today is that you would become aligned. You would align your life, the totality of your life, with the purpose of God, with eternal life, and with righteousness. That you would become aligned 
with the purpose of God so that your life is abandoned to the will of God. You become aligned to eternal life, the life of Christ that is in you, and that you will live in that awareness, and that you become aligned to righteousness, the oneness that you have with God in Christ. But now in order to accomplish that, God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to have insight and understanding into the purpose of God. The purpose of God for your life generally, but also personally. And that you would have insight and understanding to eternal life. And the righteousness of God that you are in Christ. And that furthermore you would, as you get the revelation of these things, that you would be motivated, motivated to take action motivated to align yourself with the purpose of God, with eternal life, with the righteousness of God that you are in Christ, the oneness that you have with God in Christ. Now, the question is, how do you get there? Where do you start? And the place I believe you ought to start is to develop a conscious awareness of the purpose of God, the eternal life, the life of Christ that is in you, and this oneness that you have with God in Christ. Amen? All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Now, throughout this message today, I'm going to keep bringing you back to the need to develop this conscious awareness for it to permeate your thinking. The Word of God says in, in um, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, in the, in the new, in the Good News Bible, it says, be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts, your consciousness, the way you think. Be careful how you think. So I'm going to be injecting throughout this message the need for you to become conscious and aware of certain things of the purpose of God, of, the, of Christ living inside of you, of the oneness that you have with God in Christ. Amen? All right. Now, let's get some insight and understanding to the purpose of God, which is to say what? The reason for your existence, why you are here, why you are here on this earth. You know, from a natural standpoint, it's that, you know, you were born by the will of your parents. But from a spiritual perspective, John 1.13 says that you were born again, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. And so you were born again for the will of God, to serve God, to be his instrument, to be his temple. The scripture says in Jeremiah 1 verse 5 that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I sanctified you, I separated, I separated you for myself. Concerning Paul, it says in Galatians 1 verse 15 and, and 16, Paul says that, um, that, 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 um, that as I was taken from my mother's womb, it was with this purpose in mind that God would reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So here you are, you came into this world. God knew you before you came. 
and he, and he chose you. He, know, he knew you before you come into this world. But he had a plan. And his plan is to reveal his son, Jesus, in you and through you. His plan was for Jesus to take up residence on the inside of you. The scripture says Jesus is divine and you are the branches. The vine and the branch are hooked up together. The life that is in the vine is in the branch. And the kind of fruit that the branch bears is evidence of the kind of vine it is. In other words then, you and your life is to be an extension of Christ. Literally, you are to be an extension of Christ. You are to manifest his life. People see you, they must see Jesus. That's really what it's all about. 1 John 4, 17 says, As Jesus is, so are you in this world. Well, as Jesus is, so are you to be in this world. You were born again, and you were ordained of God that you should be the temple of God, the sanctuary of God. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 2, that we are... 2 verse 22, that we are being built up by the Spirit of God for a permanent, eternal dwelling place for God. You are God's temple. You are the temple of the living God. Know ye not that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You exist for the will of God. You don't exist for the will of men. Yes, you may, yes, you may serve men, but you are living for the will of God. If you seek to please men, if it's about pleasing men, then you're no longer the servant of God. Galatians 1 verse 10. You exist for the will of God. You do not exist for the will of men, nor do you exist for your own will. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 2. It says, that you should no longer live the rest of your time in this flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. You are living for the will of God. That's why you are here. Second Corinthians 5 verse 15 says, the love of, verse 14, the love of Christ constrains us. It, and we judge that even if one died for all, then we're all dead. And then it says in verse 15, so that they which live, those who are born again, they who live, should no longer live their lives for themselves, but for him that died for them and rose again. In other words, you are living for Jesus who died for you and gave you this new life, which is actually his life on the inside of you, and you are living for him and for his will. Glory to God. Colossians 3 verse 3 says, You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are hidden in him. You and Christ are one. You are living for the will of God. You are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 and 20 says, Know ye not that you are your, 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 your body it is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, you are to glorify God in your body and in your mind. You have been bought with a price. God has paid for you by the blood of Jesus. You belong to him. So you are not your own. You are to live for the will of God. It says in John 4, verse 34. My meat is to do the will of God. And incidentally, here is the thing. As you do the will of God, that's how you are going to be empowered. Quite frankly, Jesus said, if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
All these things are going to be added unto you. Things you don't even have to pray about. So the thing about it is that even as you abandon yourself to, to the will of God and the purpose of God, and you live wholeheartedly for God, recognizing that you're not your own, you are his, you are his body, you are his temple, even as you do that, God will bless you and your life will be successful and prosperous. The very essence of the kingdom of God, there's a spiritual principle, um, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So when you give yourself over to the will of God, to the purposes of God, what will happen? It will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Jesus says when you lose your life, that's when you're going to find it. Amen? Hallelujah. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5, where Jesus said about a body you prepared for me. But that's talking about you and me. That applies to you in that you ought to wake up every single day and you ought to come before the throne of God and you ought to say, Father, this is a body that you have prepared. You have prepared and you have given me this body. And this body is for you. Jesus lives here. Jesus lives inside of me and through me. And so I come in the volume of the book. I come and I align myself with the word of God. Oh, may that word of God dwell in me richly. As I abide in him and as his word abide in me. For my, this is my life. This is why I'm here. This is your temple. This is your house. Live here. Live through me. Have your will. Have your own way. Thy will be done. That is the, that's the very essence of the purpose of God. This is what it's all about. You say, but what is my personal purpose? Am I, to be, am I a pastor? Am I a teacher? Am I going to be, to be a, 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 a janitor? Am I to be this? Am I to be that? Here is something I know. I'm not teaching on this today, but I'm going to inject this. When you go after serving God, abandoning your life to him, when you do that, what will happen is that the will of God will find you. The will of God will find you. What he has for you, specifically, it will find you. Just go ahead and serve God. Just go ahead and abandon yourself to him. Just go ahead and say, my meat is to do your will. This body has been, is prepared for you. And as you do that, you will also find the specific call of God in your life. That's free. That's just on the side. But given that you belong to him and you're not your own, therefore... Your body is not your own. Romans 12 verse 1 is going to say, present your body a living sacrifice. It's the least you ought to do. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It is your reasonable service. You are not your own. You got to remember, this is not yours. Romans chapter 6 verse 13, and 13 right through to 18, you could go read it, but the essence of it is, that this body must be an instrument of righteousness. This body must be an extension of Christ. This body must operate in oneness with Christ. In, in fact, all of the faculties of your being are to be instruments of righteousness, extensions of him. And if every faculty of your being is to be an extension of him, you will see why God will talk to you about your thinking and that you need to get your mind renewed. You will see why he will talk to you about your attitude. Amen? In everything, give thanks. You will see why he's going to talk to you about, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because you, every part of your being belongs to him. 
This is the purpose. This is what it's all about. Paul said, I buffet my body and I bring it under subjection. I make my body obey the word of God. My, I make my body obey my spirit. It's not going to do whatever it feels like. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, since we're still on purpose and we're on this point, let me put it this. Let me say this. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that the devil sinned from the beginning. 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. Because the devil has sinned from the beginning. And for this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What purpose? To, 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 to bring a dead blow to that sin question. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It says in the verse before, little children, don't be deceived. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. What is that all about? The fact of the matter is sin was what caused the problem. Sin is what caused the separation. Now, yes, praise God, Jesus has died. He has paid the price. You are made the righteousness of God in Christ. But this is why he came. This was the purpose, to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the, 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 the whole element of, of man sinning and rebelling against God. Well, now that you belong to him, now that you are one with him, now that you are the extension of him, and you're presenting your body a living sacrifice, ought it not to follow that in order to, to, um, in order to, to be in line with the purpose of God, ought it not to follow that you ought in, to be aligned with the purpose of God, that you ought to put away sin and do righteousness. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about blamelessness, but this is an area. In other words, then, let's, let, let's, let's, be, let's be scriptural. Yes, you yield to this oneness that you have with God in Christ, but then coming out of that righteousness, what happens? As you live in this oneness, as you live in this oneness, as you live in this extension of him, that righteousness will produce holiness. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. So, uh, so anyway, let's, let's, let, 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 let's kind of nail this down. Ultimately, the reason why you exist is that Christ might live in you and through you. Galatians 2.20 says, you were crucified with Christ and it's no longer you that live, but it is Christ that lives in you. And the life that you now live in the flesh you live by the faith of the Son of God. It is Christ's life that is in you. That is the reality for every child of God. Whether he knows it or not, whether he's living with one foot in the world and one foot in God, the truth is as Jesus, the truth is as Jesus is, so is he. But the truth is he has been crucified with Christ and is the life of Christ living in him. But however, that being said, you need, that needs to become your experience. In other words then, your testimony as you mature and as you go forward and as you grow, your testimony needs to become that it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Are you with me? In the same way, as Jesus is, so are you in your spirit. No matter what level of maturity you are, once you're a believer, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. But now, 
you need to mature and you need to come to the place where your testimony is that as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Are you with me? What am I talking about? We're talking about purpose. Purpose. The life on the inside of you is the life of Christ. So now let's shift from this, uh, from the understanding of purpose and, um, and, and, and insect and, and let us shift to eternal life. Now, by the way, you can go back and listen to last week where there's a lot of, where there's some different things said about this. But this is part two. <laughs> Let's get some insight and understanding of eternal life. Now, remember, as we, even as we're talking about purpose and the renewing of your mind and you're not your own, but you belong to God, these are the things that needs to get into your thinking. You need to have this consciousness, I'm not my own. I belong to God. I live for the will of God. You know, there's that song that says something about every breath I take. What does it say? Uh, something about meaning every breath I take. Well, every breath you take, in every breath that you take, every breath ought to be your confession. I am yours. I am yours, and I'm living for your will. All right. Insight and understanding in the eternal life. Now, eternal life, to start with, eternal life, is the very life of Christ. It's not just life forever. It's not just everlasting life. It is perfect life, and it, but it is specifically the life of Christ. 1 John 5, 11 says, This is the testimony that God has given unto us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has this life. And he who does not have the son does not have this life. That is why everyone needs to be born again. Without being born again, you can't get everlasting life. You can't have the life of Jesus. You can't have the life of Jesus without Jesus. Amen. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because they get the son. And when Jesus comes and he moves in, he brings his life with him. So the, the eternal life is the life of Christ. All right. Now, so Christ in you, Christ in you is what, you know, we find these number of scriptures where Paul says, uh, this is, the, uh, you know, I've, I've been called and I have this as an assignment. My assignment uh, is to make known the mystery of the gospel. It is to let every man, man know what is their fellowship, what is their participation, what is their share in this mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery is the riches of the glory of that mystery is Christ in you. The mystery is Christ in you. It is that same eternal life living on the inside of you. This was the plan and the purpose. This was the plan of God before the world began, before any fall ever took place. It was for Jesus to live inside of you, for you to be his temple, and for that life to be inside of you. But it was a mystery. It was hidden. But now it is being made known. Hallelujah. Christ in you, and he is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the confident expectation that no matter what you face, you can be victorious. You can come out ahead. Why? Can you imagine if Christ is able to be, is, is, is able to live freely through you? What situation would he not conquer? There would be no failure. Greater is he that is in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Can sickness survive in your body if Christ in you is rising up 
and, and, and releasing that life and power and anointing and, and, and healing virtue that is in him, it would be impossible. Now, we're going to teach him that next week. But the point is, Christ in you is the hope of glory, is the confident expectation that you can have of victory. Glory to God. We are more than conquerors. How? Through him. Now, capture this. Your mind is enlarged. You are strengthened by the Holy Ghost. Everything that is in Christ is in you. Everything that is in Christ is in you. Everything that is in that eternal life is in you. When God gave you Jesus, he also gave you what? All things. Jesus didn't come and leave his life outside of you. Jesus didn't come and leave his wisdom. Jesus didn't come and leave his power. Jesus came and all that he is and all that he has came with him. When God gave you Jesus, he also gave you all things. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. Now again, these are things you have got to develop this conscious awareness of. So that you don't have the mindset of, 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 you don't have a need mindset. God, give me, give me. No, you'll recognize I have, I have, I have. It is, this is what I got. Now, if you can, if we can awake to the reality that everything that is in Jesus is in us, is in you, and you even have the mind of Christ, ought it not, is it, isn't it reasonable to believe that the works that Jesus did, you and I can do also and should be doing also? Isn't it reasonable to believe that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you? But I'll tell you what, where does this start? You have to have this consciousness. You've got to have this awareness. That woman with the issue of blood that got healed would never have been healed if she hadn't given it some thought. If she hadn't taught to herself, man, mm. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, it's been 12 years, and I've had this issue of blood, but I hear about a man. His name is Jesus. And, if, and I heard people are getting healed. If I can get out of this house, if I can find him, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. She had that thought long before she stepped out to touch his garment. A man's thoughts, the way you think, will determine your future will determine what exactly you go, how your life is going to be. That is why God says, have your mind renewed so that you can what? Prove and experience what's God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. This is necessary. Without it, it's not going to happen. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> Peter actually had the thought about walking on water before he stepped in the water. Do you know that? He didn't just step out there. He says, if it's you, bid me come. In other words, if it's you, Jesus, let me walk on water like you. He had the thought. Did he have the thought? Glory to God. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, those guys in, 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 where is it? Is it Luke chapter 5, I think, that climbed up the roof to let a paralyzed guy through the roof in the presence of Jesus. Didn't you think they had some thoughts before they climbed up on top of that roof? Well, as a man think it in his heart, so is he. You see, I'm teaching what I'm teaching today, but the end point is you need to develop the consciousness of these things. Your mind could be your limitation, but your mind and your, your mind could also be, is, quite frankly, the incubator. It is the place where you give birth to these things. That's where the conception takes place. But without that, there ain't going to be no baby. Are you with me? 
All right. Hallelujah. So everything that is in Jesus is in you. As he is, so are you. The life that you now live is the life of Christ. You live it by the faith of the Son of God. Colossians 3 verse 4 says, verse 3, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. What do you mean? When Christ, who is your life, when he is unveiled, and when you can see him, then shall you also be seen. Because you and him are one. His life is your life. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear. What does it mean, appear, show up? It, it means that, but it also means unveiled. When he is unveiled, then shall you also appear. Then shall you also be unveiled. You see, many times we look at ourselves in a natural mirror and we take that as our identity. That's not your identity. That's a deception. You need to look into the mirror of the word of God to see who you are. Are you with me? And in a way, this teaching today is also about your true identity. And that is why you need to capture it. That is why you need to, 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 to capture the vision of it. That's why you need to visualize it. That is why you need to let your consciousness and your thinking change. Hallelujah. You have the life of Christ. You've got the faith of Christ. The same faith as Jesus. Galatians 2.20 again. The life you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. His faith. His faith. 2 Peter 1 verse 1 says, you have received like precious faith. Romans 12 verse 3, God says he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Well, where did the faith that he measured to you came from? From the devil? From the world? No, it came from himself. You have got the faith of Christ. And then you've got, all I'm trying to say is, hey, look, all that Jesus is, he is in you. All that Jesus have, you have. It's all on the inside of you. You have got his faith. You have got his life. You have got his name. The name of Jesus at which every knee bows, that name belongs to you. You also have joined seating with him. He is seated where? In the place of ascension. Where? Far. It's a position far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, every name that is named. You've got that name of Jesus. You have got that, that, that position. You, are, you have a joint seating, joint seating, joint seating with him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Whatever you do, yes, you should do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever you do, you should do it from where, where you are seated in ascension. You don't talk to the devil eyeball to eyeball. No, you talk down on him. Your consciousness, you've got to have this mindset. You cannot see the challenges of life as you being underneath the weather. You've got to see the challenges of life where you see a more than a conqueror. Because look who's here. Do you know who you're dealing with? This is Jesus. This is his life that is in here. This is his faith. This is his righteousness. This is the authority of his name. I'm seated with him. Authority. Jesus says all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. That power is in his name. That power, that authority, that belongs to you. You've got the same authority. Hallelujah. The peace 
Oh, glory to God. The peace of God is so powerful. That peace that Jesus had, that Jesus looked at the storms of life. He rebuked the, the force that was behind it. He rebuked the wind, and he looked at the seas, the raging seas, and he said, peace be still. You have got the same peace and, and inside of you that can still the storms of life. And this is not being, I'm not trying to be metaphorical. This is real. Jesus says, Father, Jesus says, the, the peace, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not the way the world does. John 14, 27. In, in four, Philippians 4, verse 7, it calls it the peace of God that passes all understanding. You've got the same peace. And you know what else too? You've got the same joy. Capture this. The joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 calls it. Peter calls it the joy unspeakable. Full of what? Full of what? This bottle is full of what? Water. What's inside it? Water. Well, if there's a joy unspeakable full of that means inside the joy, there is glory. Inside the joy is the very nature of God. In the, in, inside of the joy, there is an excellence. Inside of the, and that glory is power. It's inside that joy. That is why you better come to all joy in the midst of test and trials. Because there's a supernatural strength and power that comes from joy. Jesus, in the midst of all of his suffering on the cross, all the bleeding, all the everything else, in the midst of it all, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It says in Psalms 126, I believe it is, they that sow in tears shall reap with joy. There is strength in joy. You can't reap if there's harvest all around you and you're fainting. You need strength. Well, you need spiritual strength. You need spiritual strength. That joy is your strength. Hallelujah. We are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. He's given us the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? That we might be called trees of righteousness. That we might be called trees operating in oneness with him. Trees that have his authority. Trees that, have, that has the rights of sonship. Trees that are living in a place of freedom from condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority. Joy. The oil of joy, so that you can be that. You can be that tree of righteousness. You can be that oneness. This thing matters. Hallelujah. Anyway, say, I got the same joy. I got the same peace. I've got the same authority. I've got the same name. I've got the same seating, the same position, the same life, the same faith. <laughs> And you got the same righteousness. The scripture says, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, that Christ has made unto you righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 21, he was made to be sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And you know what? You also have the love of God. The same love. I don't know if I could forgive. I don't know if I could do this. Oh, man, I still feel I'm so mad at them. And Man, you know you're passed from death to life because you love the brethren. No, I can't love him. I hate him. That's not true. That love of God in your heart says you love them. You better wake up to the reality of that love that is inside of you and stop believing your feelings. Are you? As he is, so are you. As he is, so you are to be. 
But it starts with your consciousness. It starts with the way you think. It starts with the company of thoughts that you keep. Hallelujah. It says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And in John 17, 26, Jesus says, Father, I've declared unto them your name. Why? So that the love with which you've loved me might be in them. He didn't just say, I've declared unto them a name which is Father. Just so, so that the love with which you love me, you can love them with the same love. No, 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 no. Of course, that, that's, it means that too. But the love with which you love me, that that love might be in them, in them, in them. Say, I got the love of God. The same love. Hallelujah. And it says, the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 14, it constrains me. It controls me. There are some times I feel like telling somebody off, but it controls me. There are times that I want to I, I be judgmental. I want to be harsh. I want to be mean. I want to be, uh, but then that love of Christ constrains me. It constrains me. And I instead... Of me slashing at them, I judge them crucified. I recognize the same price that was paid for me was paid for them. So what do I do? John 20, 23. I remit their sins. I forgive. Say I got the mind of Christ. That means you can think like him. Amen? And we could go on. You got the spirit of Christ. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. Romans 8 verse 9. You've got the glory of God, the glory, the glory, the same Jesus as Father. The, first of all, here is the deal. When they sinned, they came short of the glory. They were chopped off from it. So here is Jesus, went to the cross. What for? That he might bring many sons to glory, give it back to them. And so, prophetically he said in John 17, 22, Father, the glory that you've given me, I give them. That they might be one, even as we are one. First Peter 5, verse 1, you have obtained the glory. Say, I got the glory. <laughs> the same glory. Whew, what's your excuse then? <laughs> we don't have an excuse, man. As he is, so are you in this world. As he is, so are you to be. But you got to develop. Faith coming by hearing and hearing and hearing. And it goes by speaking and speaking speaking. So, what are we talking about? We are talking about simply this. Having insight and understanding about that life of Christ that is in you. That eternal life. You've got it. And we're just talking about a few dimensions of it. And in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 it says, fight the good fight of faith. That you might lay a hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith that you might what? Lay a hold on eternal life to which you were also called. In other words then, you got to lay a hold of it, grip it, and don't let it be pulled away from you. The circumstances of life and wrong thinking can cause you to be separated from the reality of that eternal life. That is why I'm saying you've got to develop the consciousness. That as he is, so are you. No. Ha, ha, ha. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. First John 4, 9 says, 
Herein is the love of God. Here is how the love of God is manifested. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world. Why? Just so that we get saved? Just so that we get born again? Just so that we have our sins forgiven? Just so we can get a plane ticket to heaven? No. He sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And a better translation is that we might live the life that comes through him. Well, what is the life that comes through him? His life. <laughs> Eternal life. In other words, this is why Jesus came. This is why God has sent his only begotten son into the world. That you might have and live the life of Christ. John 3.16, that you might have eternal life. Isn't it the same thing? Isn't it not? Yes, it is. Well, praise the Lord. Now, just a little tiny bit more about eternal life. John 17, verse 3 says, Jesus speaking, he says, this is eternal life. That they might know me. That they might know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. In the first epistle of John, chapter 1, John says, Man, we've seen him. We've handled this eternal life. Man, we've had, he is eternal life. We've, we've handled him. And in John 17, and, and, and John says, look, man, you want to have fellowship with us? You got to have fellowship with him. There's a fellowship. There's a, so, so here in John 17, 3, Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they might know you, Father, that they might be intimate, that they might be so intimate we are one. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. That intimacy, that, that's all part of it. That's all part of it. That is why the wages of sin, separation. But the gift of God, reconnect eternal life. No more is coming short of the glory. Reconnect eternal life. That's all part of it. Now, when you and I awake, when you and I, we awake to this eternal life that we have, what happens? I live in this manner. Christ is in me. Wherever I go, he goes. When I show up, he's there. Why? Because I brought him. Whatever situation I face, he's bigger. The problem comes, let him deal with it. I'm, gonna I'm just going to rest in him. I'm going to take his yoke upon me. I'm going to learn of him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I rest. I rest. I'm not going to fret. He is in me. He is in you. Developing that consciousness. Now, Regarding our life, it says in John chapter 1 verse 4, that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That life was the light of men. Whatever that light is, and that light is more than light, <laughs> it is enlightenment, but it, it had to do with what created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was no sun, and there is no moon, there is something more to the light. Well, in him was life, and that life oh, was a life-giving light. And our life was light, was the light of men. Now, you accepted Jesus. Jesus is the Savior and the Lord. Well, John 8, 12 says, Jesus says, He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have what? That light of life. 
So when you are born again and the reality of this eternal life is that there is something happening. There is a light coming forth. There is an understanding. There is an enlightenment. There is a development of, your, of, of, of some of your faculties. There is creativity. There are certain things that are available to you. Why? Because you have this light and out of it comes light. So that you can begin to function in other dimensions. You know, God says, come up higher. Come up higher. You're already seated in a place of ascension. Come up here and learn to function up here. The light. Say, I got light. Because I have life. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's shift and talk about, I have an insight into the righteousness of God that you are. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Jesus was made to be sin that you might be made what? The righteousness of God in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, what happened? When you were born again, God, righteousness is God's nature. God literally impregnated, or, or, or what should I say, imparted his nature of righteousness into your spirit. He infused your spirit with his nature and with righteousness. That is why Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, put on the new man. Who is created in what? Righteousness and true holiness. So in your born again spirit, you have got the very nature of God imparted to you. Which is to say, you are born of him. You are of God, little children. It is to say, you are his offspring. You are his child. You have his DNA, so to speak. You have God's nature. Part of which, you are a partake of his divine nature, including righteousness. Now, what does that look like? Number one, it's oneness with God in Christ. The vine and the branch are one. The head and the body are one. There is a oneness. First Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, they that are joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. Well, I tell you something. If you and him are one, part of that oneness is you are in absolute agreement. Whatever it is, man, you're going along with it. I'm in agreement. I'm in agreement. Your spirit, man, is 100% in agreement and in harmony with God 24 hours a day, all the time. Because that's his nature. He delights in the law of God after the inner man, Romans 7, verse 22. You need to know that. You are not at odds with God. You are in harmony. You are in oneness. Therefore, be that way. You are as he is. As he is, so are you, so be as he is. You are one with him, so be one with him. Your spirit is in total agreement, so be in total agreement. Are you with me? He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Jesus said, Father, I've given them your glory, that they might be one just like you and I are one. Jesus and the Father were never out of sync. They are absolutely one. Well, so are we. Now let me say something else about your spirit, just to capture this righteousness, this oneness. You believe the word, don't you? All right. Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says, mm, Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says, I'm going to preface it by saying this. Just a couple of days back, I heard this waking up. And by the way, it's good to learn to hear when you're waking up. 
Because the scripture says in Isaiah 50 verse 4, morning by morning, he wakened your ears to hear as a learn. So expect to hear from God waking up. Amen? It's scriptural. Anyway, I heard you are already glorified in your spirit. That's all. And then one other thought. Everything that Jesus finished is already finished in your spirit. Why could he say that? Where is this coming from? Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says, Whom he predestined, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. You were predestined. You were called. And you are justified. But not only are you justified, whom he justified is also glorified. In your spirit, you are as glorified in your spirit now as you will ever be anytime in, this, in the future. There is no higher level of glorification than the one you have in your spirit right now. After all, Jesus says you got God glory. You are, as glo you are already glorified in your spirit. Now I know your body is behind and this we need a new one, an immortal one. But as for your spirit, you are already glorified. Now, it's easy to go from there to divine health, but anyway. And to the point that it even says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, that your spirit has been perfected forever. Hebrews 12, 23 says the same thing. Your spirit has been perfected forever. Now, when you recognize that and you believe that and you accept that, and you develop the consciousness that I'm the righteousness of God. My spirit is in total harmony and in agreement with God. And it delights in God. My spirit is already glorified. It has the nature of God. When you begin to recognize these things, then you recognize I am complete in him. Colossians 2.10 and so if someone, so if someone says, oh, well, you got to do this. You got to keep the Sabbath. You got to do that. Uh -uh, I'm complete. I'm complete in him. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, so what does it, just very quickly, what does this authority, what does this righteousness look like? What does this look like? Number one is the oneness with him. Number two, it is the authority of Jesus which is embodied in the name. The name of Jesus belongs to you. That authority belongs to you. Now, if you believe that, and if you receive that, and if you accept that, and you begin to think this way, the authority of Jesus, the authority in the name of Jesus belongs to me. You begin to think this way. You believe this way. You speak this way. You act this way. What would that look like? Because you see, we're talking about your consciousness. The scripture says in Ephesians 3 and verse 12, that you and I have boldness and access with confidence. Confidence by the faith of Christ. Where the devil is concerned, you've got boldness and access with confidence. He's underneath your feet. Where the throne of God is concerned, because you can come in the name of Jesus, just as if you were Jesus, washed by the blood, being pure and innocent before God, you can come boldly to the throne of grace, even when you need mercy. Which means something has been wrong. And obtain mercy and find grace. You could come boldly because of that blood that speaks from the mercy seat. So you got to think this way. I have the authority in the name of Jesus. When you recognize that, Philippians 1.28 says, look, in nothing will you be terrified by the enemy. No matter what's going on, I'm, I'm not terrified. 
I refuse to be terrified. Amen? Hallelujah. Your prayer life. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You talk with authority. You speak. You're not a beggar. You speak. You talk like a king. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 4 says what? Well, where the word of a king is, there is power. You're not beggarly. The way you talk, the way you think, the way you believe, the way you speak, your attitudes. Um, um, Romans 10 verse 6 to 8 says, The righteousness which is of faith speaks. It doesn't say Jesus come up or come down. It says the word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. It doesn't say, oh God, do something about this mountain. No, you speak to the mountain and command it and tell it where to go. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't even beg and plead with God for any promise. You know why? Because you already got them. And not only that, I know we sing a, a, a particular song about, anyway, I'm not going to say that. But even where the promises are concerned, hey, they're already fulfilled. Do you know that? <coughs> All right, let's move on. Move on. Sorry. I shouldn't have. Forgive me. Mokarasa, but timing, 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 timing. All right. But then there's also the issue of rights. The comprehension of righteousness, oneness, the authority that is embodied in the name. But then there are rights. You have rights and the promises because of the sacrifice, because of the gospel. Um, Ephesians 3 verse 6. In Christ, all the promises are yes, amen, absolute certainty. 2 Peter 1 verse 4. By these promises, you can take the part of the divine nature that you have need of. Amen. You are an heir of God. You are a joint heir with Christ. What does that mean? Jesus says, when the Holy Ghost has come, he's going to take what's mine and reveal it unto you. And then he went on to say, because all that the Father has is mine. Did he say that? He says, all that the Father has is mine. And then he says, therefore, the Holy Ghost is going to show it to you. Why? Because it's yours. If all that the Father has belonged to Jesus, and if everything belongs to Jesus, and you are joint heir with Christ, then you are joint heir to whatever belongs to him. That means all things are yours. And if you are an heir of God, then everything that God has belongs to you. Man, you can't, I mean, this is how it is. So, talk about rights. Talk about citizenship in heaven. The will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can believe that way. You can talk like that. Hallelujah. But you see, to get your mind renewed and to think this way and to have that kind of consciousness, you cannot walk by sight. You cannot walk by reason. You're going to have to do this by faith. Because you might be in the midst of rags and, and, and whatever else, and yet you've got to be able to note from the word of God, I'm a possessor of the heaven and the earth. I'm an heir of all things. All things are mine. Glory to God. Amen. Jesus, with all of the symptoms that he was dealing with, for the joy that was set before him, with all the symptoms, you got to have that joy. You got you to see it differently. You see, joy... And I know I'm going backwards here, but joy sees the outcome. Can you imagine? Here you have these, these, these uncomfortable symptoms. But you know the end, the end point. You know it's going to be all right. You know you're coming out of this victorious. At least you should be able to smile in the midst of it all. Even when you're in the belly of the fish <laughs> and it stinks. Because you know how this is going to work out. 
So you begin to give God thanks. And you begin to give God a sacrifice of praise and rejoicing. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who for the joy was, that was set before him. Let this mind be in you. You've got rights. You are a citizen of heaven. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then there is right standing. The fourth element of uh, where righteousness is concerned. Well, which means what? Because of the blood in the sight of God is as if you've never sinned. You're justified. Romans 5.9. Because of the blood, Colossians 1.22 says, In God's sight, you are pure, you are holy, you are blameless. So that being the case, you're not living with sin consciousness. You're living in a consciousness of righteousness. That I'm one with him. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm washed. I'm pure. I'm holy before God. There is no sin. All of it, the record has been wiped out by the blood. Therefore, I'm here. I'm free. No guilt. No shame. No, in, no, 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 no condemnation. Jesus has taken any punishment for anything I could have done wrong. No insecurity. God's got my back. I've got a covenant. No matter what's going on, he's on my side. No inferiority. Hey, look, do you know what kind of DNA I have? Right? Man, I'm part of I am part of royalty in the sense that in the sense that I've got his genes on the inside of me. So coming out of, of, of this oneness and this authority that you have and, and, and this freedom from condemnation and guilt and, 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 and um, knowing what all your rights are and having the confidence, what happens? The scripture says you're as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And here the love of God is so perfect that God has made it so that as Jesus is, so are you. So guess what? You have boldness, whatever situation you face. That's what 1 John 4, 17 says. Herein is the love of God made perfect that you might have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are you in this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So this functioning in righteousness, this awaking to righteousness, this letting your consciousness become permeated with this is who I am. This is, and to become, because you see, you, you, you are aligning with this. You are aligning with the purpose. You are aligning yourself, the whole of your life, with this eternal life, Christ inside of me. You are aligning yourself, the whole of yourself, with this righteousness, this oneness that I got. And listen to what this is when you do that. When you do that where righteousness is concerned, Jesus said, all these things are going to be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things that you don't even have to pray about, it's just going to be added. And that kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That kingdom is activated by righteousness, Hebrews 1 and verse, and verse um, 8. Now, it also says in Proverbs 4 verse 18 that the pathway of the righteous becomes what? Brighter and brighter. Meaning what? If the pathway of the righteous is becoming brighter and brighter, you are going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. You are increasing. Amen. Always forward and upward. Never backward. Glory to God. But you got to know these things. And you got to, uh, because I said, this is your identity. This is your true identity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I wish I had some more time. Whew. But anyway, let me see if I could motivate you to go after this stuff. Do you think so? <laughs> are you motivated? Does this stuff make sense? Listen to this for a moment. You know, sometimes we, we are motivated by the negative. 
If you keep doing this kind of wickedness, you know what's going to happen? Right? You know, if you decide, I mean, and you could be motivated by negative. Anyway, I'm going to do a little bit of that just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. It says, this I say therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Don't be like the Gentiles. And by the way, this is being written to Christians. The Gentiles aren't reading this. They aren't saved. This is written to born again, Holy Ghost, filled believers. Don't walk like the Gentiles do in the vanity and the futility of their minds. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. The life of God is here. They're separated from it. Why? Because of ignorance that is in them and because of the blindness of the heart. Here is the deal. As a believer, every believer has the life of God, that eternal life in their spirit. And in that life, there is all, there is the glory, there is the power, there is healing, there is the divine nature, all of that. Righteousness, which delivers from death, all of that is in there. But you can be separated from it if you don't have understanding. You can be separated from it because of Ignorance, which means what? Lack of knowledge. You can be separated from it because of hardness of heart, insensitivity. In other words then, as a believer, in other words, when a believer has to suffer certain type of illnesses, why, why? It shouldn't be. Because just a few inches away, there is all the healing power that they could ever need. But what happened? Lack of understanding. And the scripture says in Hosea 4 verse 14 that when you have the lack of understanding can cause you to come to ruin. R-U-I-N. And it says in Hosea 4 verse 6, lack of knowledge will cause what? Cause you to perish. Isaiah 5 and verse 13, I think it is, says that because of lack of knowledge, the devil takes people captive. And then, of course, the insensitivity. So that you're clogged up and you aren't able to hear and recognize the voice and the leading of the Spirit of God. God tell you, don't go over there. Don't go on a plane. And you go on a plane. Turn left, turn right, but you don't do it. And there are consequences. Oh, God didn't plan some wickedness for you, no. But it was the insensitivity. And you're separating yourself from that life. Whether by insensitivity, whether by ignorance, or whether by lack of understanding. So there is a cost. There is a cost. And it could, at various levels, but there is a cost to what? Not aligning yourself with this eternal life. There is a cost. To not aligning yourself with the purpose of God. The scripture says. All things work together for good. For them that love God and are what? Called according to purpose. Which means if they are not in line with purpose. Whatever negative is not going to necessarily work together for your good. Not if purpose is not in place. Ephesians 1 verse 11. Says. That the, all of the inheritance is yours. However, the inheritance is released into your life in accordance to purpose and God's good pleasure. So when you don't have, when you're not operating in purpose, 
You're not operating in the will of God. You are not yielded and abandoned to him. That inheritance is not going to necessarily, it's not going to be released. If you be willing and obedient. Are you with me? So, what if you ignore purpose? Then, you might as well forget about some of that inheritance. I didn't write it. That is why Paul says in Acts 20 verse 32, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. What is he saying? If you will, I'm going to give you the word, so that let that word babysit you. And let that word abide in you. And if you get a hold of that word, and that word dwell in you richly, the word of grace is going to give you, is going to deliver the inheritance into your hands. It's there. It's in the bank account. But you need to get it in your hands. Are you with me? Say purpose. And I'll show you. The, uh, 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 okay. All right. I have to. Let me just show you this. I'm going to have to cut this message short for the sake of time. All right. And we'll pick it up next week. But let me show you something else. Say purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, whom he saved, and that means healed, delivered, and all of that, and called with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before time began. So here is the deal. Before time began, before the foundation of the world, where you are concerned, God had, number one, saved you, healed you, delivered you, give you a whole lot of stuff. You, that, all, that healing, let's just focus on the saved, salvation, healing, all of that was before the foundation of the world. And then there was a call, a holy call, separated unto God that was on your life. That was before the foundation of the world. And he did all of that not because of your deserving it or because of any works on your part. He did it out of his own choosing. And he did it according, not according, but according to his own purpose and grace. And the purpose and grace were also given before the foundation of the world. So here's the picture. Before the foundation of the world, you are saved, healed, delivered, justified, all of that good stuff. And you are called with a holy calling, the call of God. And I, I know the plans that I have for you, and da 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 da, da. And, before the, and, in that, and in, before the foundation of the world is the purpose. You are to be separated totally to the will of God. And there is the grace to accomplish it all, all given before the foundation of the world. But let's just isolate the purpose. You are saved... The saving, the healing, was according to purpose. So when purpose is not in place, guess what happens with the healing? Guess what happens with the salvation? Guess what happens with the other stuff? It don't quite work right. No wonder things work together for good when you're in line with purpose. All right, can you see that? Hallelujah. When there is no revelation of righteousness and walking in righteousness, you know what happens? The doorway is open for fear. Because Isaiah 54 verse 14 says, 
When you're established in righteousness, you're going to be far from oppression because you shall not fear. When you are not established in righteousness, you don't have that awareness and, 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 and so on. You're not operating in oneness with God. You're not operating in authority. You're not operating in the confidence of your rights. You're not operating uh, um, with, with right standing. Instead, you're under condemnation and guilt and shame. What will happen? Fear will access your life. And true fear, the devil could bring all kinds of oppression. Why am I saying these things? So that you could be motivated. That I've got to be aligned with purpose. I've got to be aligned with that eternal life. I've got to be aligned with righteousness. I don't want to be vulnerable. Your spirit is life and healing and wholeness because of what? Righteousness. Romans 8 verse 10. So you, get, you don't function in that righteousness. You don't function in that authority. You don't function in your rights and privileges as a son to God. Then the healing that is in your spirit will, will not flow and you get separated from it. The scripture says you're dead to sin, but you live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Leave the righteousness out by his stripes you are healed will not work. That's mean. That's a harsh thing to say, but that's the scripture. Like I said, sometimes there's negatives could sometimes motivate you. But on the other hand, let's say we get a hold of these things. Grace and peace is what? Multiplied through knowledge. Let's say you get a hold of this righteousness. You get a hold of this eternal life. You get a hold of this purpose and you're, you're abandoned to the will of God. Guess what? You receive abundance of grace. You receive operating the gift of righteousness. And you're able to reign in this life as a king. True Christ. Amen. <laughs> and since I'm right here still in 2 Timothy, let me just wrap it up here. So, before the foundation of the world, you saved, you have a holy call, you've got the purpose, you've got the grace. But now here's what happened verse 10. But now, it is revealed at the appearing of Jesus. When you accept Jesus, the doorway for the salvation, for the healing, for the, for the grace, for the purpose, for the call, begin to get open. And then, as Christ in you begins to appear, in other words, that Christ that is in you begins to take over, then what happens? All of that wonderful stuff begins to be made manifest. How manifest? But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has what? Abolished death and has brought life. Say life. And that we're talking eternal life. And immortality comes with that eternal life. That eternal life will never has no death in it and it will never die. That eternal life has no sickness in it. That eternal life has an immunity to sickness and disease. And has brought life and immortality. To light, how? Through the gospel. What's the gospel? It's Christ in you. So, here is my point. And this is what the Amplified says. He has brought life and immortality, immunity. Here is the point. This very getting a hold of this eternal life and this life of God and this life of Christ that is in you moves you into an arena according to this verse about immortality, which is what? A higher level of divine health. Does that sound good? 
Can you imagine living at a higher level of divine health? So viruses come, COVID come, but it doesn't touch you because the law of the spirit of that life keeps you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Established in righteousness. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because the righteousness is of me. Now, I am out of time. So I'm going to stop here. We're going to pick this up next week. And I'm glad that somehow we were able to talk about this consciousness and so on. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to go further. And I'm going to show you four keys that can help you to develop that conscious awareness of the purpose of God, the life of Christ, and the reality of righteousness. Four keys that will help you to develop the consciousness of these things so that you could be aligned with them. Amen? Does that interest you? Come back next week. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, Father God Almighty, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. Oh, what a glorious gospel. Oh, what are the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, how unsearchable are your judgments and your ways past finding out. Oh, the depths of the, the riches of, of, of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Such depth, such dimension that is in this salvation. What a great salvation. What a great eternal life. What great righteousness. What great purpose that we've been brought into. Oh, it is out of this world. It is beyond this world. It is above this world. Oh, it is eternal. It is impregnated with you, your life, your glory, the very essence of your being. What is man that you've allowed him to participate in this glory, in the essence of your being, to be in fellowship with you, to be able to have these treasures of riches of wisdom and knowledge and, and such infinite, incorruptible inheritance. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Oh, help us, help us. Help us that we will see. Help us that we will be able to walk these things out so that we can be the evidence of your reality. We could be the proof to the world that Jesus is alive. Thank you, Father, for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if there's anyone that is sick, I rebuke the sickness in the name of Jesus, and I say, receive your healing. It flows right out of that eternal life that is in your spirit. It comes right out of that righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Until we meet again, stay strong, stay blessed.